This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 5. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm your host, Brett Duncan. I'm joined today by the team members from Influence Leadership, Tanya Austin and Chris Fuller himself. Hey, guys. How are you? Great. Doing great. Excellent. We're going to keep talking about leadership. Does that sound okay with you? Sounds fantastic. You know, this is where we like to kind of just throw a mic in the middle of the room, just like you're sitting with us here having some coffee. We've got a little bottle of water. Uh, We're in North Texas right now enjoying uh, hopefully what will be the last of a very hot summer. (laughs) And uh, moving into fall, which is great, but you know we're we're digging into the different concepts of your book, I Did a Rod Leadership. Yeah, and one of uh, the chapters actually is fully dedicated to this concept of self awareness. Which I'll be honest, uh, and maybe this is the problem with self awareness. I, <laughs> I hear that word, I hear that phrase, that I kind of want to just glaze over. I'm a little worried about this because I'm, I'm I'm fearing conviction. I'm fearing you're going to say some things that I actually have to do something about. <laughs> Welcome to the leather couch. Uh, me and Dr. Freud will be spending some time with you this section. Excellent. Right. Well, it's about to get ugly. Or you might find, uh, as my wife will contend, it's very empty in there. There's actually not, not much at all, right? Just kind of swimming around. Um, no, self-awareness. It is, as I have grown in my experience in my career, it, self-awareness is one of those phrases that uh, was interesting and fun to learn about, but I felt really didn't apply to me as I was young. And the more and more I have grown in experience and taken a look at myself, yeah, obviously I realized self-awareness and my beliefs are extremely critical to my success. Um, and so that's what we're going to dig into today. And kind of where you start in the book is this phrase, beliefs determine behavior. Right. Uh, what does that mean exactly? Well, so you, people do what people think. Okay, um, if you if you can't conceive it, if you can't imagine it, there's no way you're going to act on that. And so, if I think I can lose weight, if I think I can, then I'm going to work out. Then I'm going to eat right. Then I'm going to. But if I believe that I, I could work out, I could eat salads all day long, and I'm never going to lose weight, then I'll self defeat before I ever put it into play, put it into action. Mm -hmm. So if I don't see myself as a leader, then the struggle becomes, I'll never start leading. No, 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 I can't lead, I can't. So the first and loudest no that you will ever hear is from your own head. Mm. I mean, think about it. Has there ever been a child that you put crayons in their hands and they didn't think that they were an artist? They just immediately started coloring and they thought that was the greatest, you know, uh, drawing in the world, greatest picture in the world. And yet at some point others start telling us no to the point that we start believing the no. And I think that that's such a brutal thing for people is the no in your head. What are you already telling yourself no on? Even listening to these podcasts, have you already told yourself, no, I can't have an adventure. This is my lot in life. This is what I deserve. No, what we deserve, what we will reach for and, uh, and all things are possible. So when we look at that particular piece, I'm wondering the first person that you will ever lead is yourself. And when you look in that mirror, if you're already knowing all your deficiencies and you start to self-defeat, that's something that I just believe we, we gotta find a way to get that changed. Uh, whether you're in leadership or just as a person, you know, your internal voice, your beliefs will drive your 
behaviors. The stories that are going on in our mind are the stories we believe first and worst. Mm. So how do we change the movie playing in your head? How do we get that understanding? You know, uh, there was some time that I was, I was going through and I thought, man, what is wrong with, with, with what I was looking at? And it turns out my sunglasses were messed up, right? Mm-hmm. So you may have a crack in your lens and you think the world is cracked. That, that becomes the first thing we have to look at is what is your lens to the situation? So if a problem, you know, this dovetails into something we talk about later on in the book, which is the problem is not the problem. The problem is how you see the problem. Therefore, the problem is you. Mm. So what is that lens? What are you thinking about today? You have a situation that comes up and you're already thinking the boss won't hear me. I can't leave. My ideas are shut down. And so you never offer your idea. Well, before they have a chance to shut it down, you shut you down. Mm-hmm. That's the lens on the trail. So we're talking about self-awareness, and there's this balance. You're talking about what I tell myself can sometimes be my worst enemy. Right? Sure. And yet, or and, and one of the things you brought up were deficiencies. Right. I mean, I might, I probably, I think I have legitimate deficiencies. <laughs> okay. So this, yeah, thank you, Tanya. Yeah, she'll confirm that. So, so how do you balance this positive self-talk with? actual self-awareness. Yes, I have a deficiency. What do you do with that? Right. Well, I mean, welcome to humanity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I made it. We all have strengths and weaknesses. And and the first thing that you have to do is just know thyself. And if you understand yourself and you know your tendencies, you know your weaknesses, then you put a plan in place. And I say this all the time, lead where you're strong, team where you're weak. Or let me say it another way, in case you don't have a team. Lead where you're strong, put a system where you're weak. So I, I said this and, and uh, I put this on the, the Twitter feed, by the way, at Chris M. Fuller, uh, most social media if you want to catch us. And so one of the things I put on there is um, where I don't naturally have a strength, I find a person or a system to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. So if I'm not naturally detail-oriented, I write a checklist or I have others that are focused on the details that will help me. So again, I'm not presupposing that all of us have strengths and that leaders are all all good. Leaders aren't all good. The best leaders know where their deficiencies are and they plan around those deficiencies. You see, everybody has strengths and weaknesses, but it becomes a fatal flaw when we either choose to ignore it or the fatal flaw is a weakness in an area that the organization needs a strength in. Mm-hmm. That's where it can become deadly. So thinking about that, you know, one of the greatest weaknesses we can have is actually thinking we don't have a weakness. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, yeah. and one of the greatest strengths we can have is being very clear on what our weaknesses are so we can actually do something about them. Yeah. Hey, if you're a leader and you're listening to this right now, let me give you an exercise to do. Um, just go to your team, sit down with them, and, and ask them what your top five weaknesses are. Okay, here's where I, th- I said I was going to get convicted. <laughs> <laughs> um, as, uh, here's the, uh, you know, many leaders go, you know, you can't do that. And we, we laugh because how many of us could make a list of our leaders' five top glaring weaknesses right now? Mm. So the team's not going to have an aha moment. Right. If you shared where you don't believe you're good... Your team's not going to go, oh, man, we never knew that. 
They know exactly what you're lousy at, and they talk about it daily over coffee in the morning, <laughs> and depending upon how bad the weakness is over adult beverages in the evening. Yes. And so um, it's a hot topic, and they're trying to figure out who is going to tell you that you're not good at that so that we can wrestle that from you, put it into the hands of somebody that's better. Well, and here's where the proof is, is we have those conversations about other leaders, right? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. We, we know we do that about every other leader, except sure. us. It doesn't happen for us. Well, you know, the mirror is rarely pleasant, but it's almost always honest. Mm. Yeah. So talking about leadership and especially how that translates to teams, you know, there's actually one point before I jump into that. In prep for the show, you were mentioning kind of a journal exercise that yeah. you recommend to people in, in helping with this. Explain that to us. Well, so as a leader, you know, you jump in and anybody besides me ever been ignorant about what you're ignorant about? <laughs> all right, a quick exercise. Tell me all the things that you don't know about rocket science go. <laughs> well, I'm ignorant about what I'm ignorant about. Right. I have no idea what I don't know, right? So we start with you don't know what you don't know. The moment that you are promoted, you start becoming aware of all the deficiencies to the position. And I ask leaders all the time, don't fear that. Jump in and write a list of your, what you're good at now, what the needs of the position are, but then as you start to become aware of other things in the position that you're not good at or you weren't aware of, then I say create a journal of your known unknowns. Hmm. So this is what is needed, but I don't know how to do that. Here's what this is, I don't know how to, and so don't fear the known unknowns, fear the unknown. See, fear will, will paralyze us. Talking about beliefs. Mm -hmm. If I am afraid, that belief will paralyze. But once I identify the need, identify the weakness, then that simply comes into an area that I call a growth plan. So all of us have strengths, all of us have weaknesses, all of us have gaps. And in the midst of the identification of a gap, then that just becomes something to learn and grow on. So don't fear it. Known unknowns become the growth map for the next six months. You mentioned gaps, and I know another phrase that you use a lot is the intention perception gap. Yeah, I actually got that from a guy named Greg Cagle, uh, another good leader and a friend of mine. And uh, so Greg all the time is hammering on this, this intention perception gap. And so, you know, I intend to interact with you in a certain way, but then your perception of me is different than maybe my intention. So, you know, just to, to bring us home to a personal thing, you know, I, I'm, I'm solving, uh, you know, businesses and equations. I'm doing this all the time. Well, if I'm not careful when I come home, then I try to solve everybody's everything at home, right? Mm -hmm. So my intention is to serve my household, to serve my, my spouse. And, and in the midst of that, her perception is I'm overstepping my boundaries and I'm actually over owning and I'm not listening I'm solving. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, the big joke around that is, you know, um, Robin will say, yeah, thank you. I'm not your client. Um, to which I, um, I respond, you're right. My clients want help. <laughs> <laughs> I bet that goes over great. I don't, that's, that's fictitious. I don't say that. Um, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's uh, wisdom there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's, that's the intention perception. Uh, and I wonder how many leaders intend 
to have a great team that is shared responsibility, but then they're asking their team 500 questions about, well, how are you going to do this and how are you going to, and my intention is to step in and own the situation, help the situation, but their perception is I'm micromanaging. And that self-awareness comes into, am I even aware of how others experience me? Hmm. So looking at self-awareness too and and how that works, one of the parts of the book that I think was really eye-opening to me, you know, I think in terms of self-awareness and I'm thinking in terms of me, right? But then you take it and you say your team should be a reflection of your energy. I thought this was... I thought this was a great point. So expand on that a little bit. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you, um, the Norwegians says they run dogs, they want very stoic dogs and they want dogs that they, they don't even bark out of alignment. Right. I mean, they're just, they're stoic, they're running in. And so this, this, uh, perception, um, I was in uh, around a table, you, you know, having coffee with Nils before we mushed. And, and Nils turns his head real quick and goes, what was that? And I'm like, what do you mean, what was that? And he goes, well, the dog barked. And I'm like, uh, of course, the dog barked. Dogs bark. You know, so yeah. I, thought, I thought it was a blinding flash of aha, right? <laughs> it's a dog. Of course it barked. And he goes, no, no, no. Um, I, I don't expect my dogs to bark unless there's something to bark at. Well, that blew me away because I thought dogs bark at everything. I mean, yeah. dogs bark at, you know, something buzz past their ear and they're going to bark. So... Mm-hmm. You know, but the Norwegians, they don't want those dogs to bark. As a matter of fact, if that dog doesn't have amazing self-control, they will cast that dog off the team. Well, now you take a musher like Lance Mackey, and he wants the rowdiest uh, dogs possible. So Lance's initial team was from the cast off of all these other teams. Hmm. Now, let me go to extremes. Norwegians, very controlled dogs. They are they're in lockstep, they're in unison, they're very tight to themselves. Lance at times can't even run his dogs on rope. He has to run them on metal because they will chew through even the metal. Wow. So you're talking about the difference between a nice little serenade with an orchestra and this refined (laughs) music of the Norwegians and into heavy metal of, of, of Lance's kennel. The music in the kennel is, does my team even match my energy? Now I'm fired up and I, that passion, that exuding, you know, if, if I have people that are too, too stoic, then I start to doubt their commitment. So can I run a team that is even like me? And, and there's two aspects of that. Number one, their approach needs to be similar. I need to be able to associate with them, but I also can't overpopulate the team too much like me or we're, we're gonna be imbalanced and we're gonna have amazing major gaps. So you've gotta balance the team, lead where you're strong, team where you're weak. We've gotta put that right team together. Um, and that comes from self-awareness. What do I want the team to be a reflection of me? But then where do I need the team to be diverse? We've gotta embrace the diversity so that we can complete the mission. Mm. So what are some practical ways you help people? I mean how would I know here's my energy here's what I need to be looking for in people without again like you said without saying they all need to have my skills yeah that's not what you're saying but there's an energy there that they obviously have to plug into how can I be clear on what that is Uh, you know the first thing is to write your list of if you had a dream team and maybe you don't even have a team right now start to journal I'm I'm a huge fan of just journaling and, and, and getting the awareness of if I have a team when I have a team 
What would I like the team to do? What would I like the team to be? How would I get into that? You know, and, and you know, we, we even say that, you know, um, you can learn from any leader, good leaders or bad leaders, you can mm -hmm. learn from, and so one of the first things is, you can learn how you would run your team if you had it. Mm -hmm. So if you spend a little bit of time just thinking about your team, how would you run it? What would it look like? How much energy would you have? How much autonomy would they have? How much, you know, and start to think about your dream team, write it down, and then it's amazing, once you write your dream team down, you know what, it's a little bit of organizational dynamics, organizational effectiveness that uh, we may get in at some point, but then that starts to transfer to your talent acquisition. So when you start hiring people, when you start looking at your dream team, then if it filters into your, um, your talent acquisition mechanism, then you can start to put people on the team that are embracing, embodying the field that you want. Um, you know, I've, I've had a leader tell me, or, or um, I can't remember where I got it from, but um, years and years and years ago, I heard somebody say, I'd rather choke back a racehorse than to try to beat a dead horse. Mm. So if I want some passion, I, I'm gonna have to look for people with passion. And, uh, and if you want a passionate team, it's gonna be real hard to get a passionate team when he populated the entire pool with Ben Steins. <laughs> Tanya, I want to put you on the spot a little bit. You've been a part of, of many different types of teams. So what have you seen here in terms of team energy? When Think of times it's been a good team energy, think of times it's been a lacking team energy, and how has that affected overall production? How has that influenced the leader of the team? Well, I think it's huge. I mean, energy is, is a big thing and I think to Chris's point though teams are different and the makeups are different I think one of the things that I love about you know the Iditarod examples that Chris uses in particular is that the team when made up with all the right team members fill all the gaps you know because if everybody has all the same strengths on the team that's not a great team typically um, and so having those other gaps and appreciating them with each other for their strength on the team allows you to, I think, get the results that you want. And then when the attitude is the same, that's where, you know, that energy really comes together, that appreciation for each other, that support for other people's, you know, you can be in competition with other people and still be collaborative with them man I can't I can't say it enough this this is an area she just hit that will light me up you don't hire for skill you populate the team with passion and heart Absolutely. if the team has the right attitude the team has the right heart the team has that value centric core how am I going to transfer my value system to you mm -hmm. I can't hire for values train for skill look for diversity of skill but look for harmony and value centricity if i value the same then we can run with one heart but different skills mm. that will be a good uh, episode in the future that's a good one so you know we've covered a lot here and as we close up self-awareness really is so critical to success uh, you've walked us through some practical things to do. I'm going to recap just real quickly. One of the things that you mentioned was ask your team. You know, that's the maybe one of the scariest things. But hey, <laughs> tell me what I need to know about me, right? Sure. And my style. Um, and, you know, part of that, too, comes from can you create an environment where they're comfortable giving you honest feedback, right? 
Yeah, that's that's huge. You know, the probably one of the worst emotional experiences that I've ever found for leaders is when we do 360 feedbacks. Um, when you do a 360 feedback with anonymous um, contributions from your people, uh, and the the mirror that comes back sometimes is so harsh that I've had leaders even quit their jobs. Mm. So I won't do a 360 feedback without sort of a preemptive emotional debrief of what this can look and feel like. And so uh, the vast, the best leaders are self-aware enough and vulnerable enough to give their people permission to say, what does life on the other side of me look like, rather than having to do some anonymous feedback. So that, that creating that, we'll save that for another podcast, yeah. creating an amazing team um, where we can be open and vulnerable. Um, that's that's a, another 30 minutes to an hour in and of itself. That's really good though. And that's a takeaway. Is, is I'm very convicted by it, so I know that's a tr- that's a, a sign I need to do something about. It, right, <laughs> so that's a big one for me. You talked a lot about journaling. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it on several different fronts, but having uh, your known unknowns, right? Make sure that you know what those are. Yeah, um, and then also remind me what was the other journal one. <laughs> well, the journal of the team I want to be. Exactly. The team I want to run. So dreaming right? about what your team is. My dream team. Clear. Yes. I love that. I really yeah. love that. I think that is so good, too, because um, I think people don't do that. And so then the team becomes not very intentional. Right. Mm-hmm. Intentional leadership. Intentional development. Um, I mean, think about it. Would you rather have your team on purpose or on accident? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this idea too, we always hear the term dream team, uh, but both one's an adjective and one's a noun, right? But if we think of it in terms of verb noun, so I need to dream about the team that I want. Absolutely. And that's what really a great leader does. Yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about this. The, the word destiny, right? We want our destiny. We want our destiny-based team. Well, destiny is the same word as destination. Huh. So it's a predetermined yes. end result. So your destiny, the team of your destiny is the team that you have predetermined that you want. Do it on purpose. Dream the team. Fulfill the destiny, which is the decided beforehand future. Well, that's all we have time for today. And I, to be quite honest, I think I've got a head full. I'm sure our listeners <laughs> do too. You've got a to-do list. Go do it. Um, don't let this be something that you just listen to and you agree with. And that is great thoughts. And then do nothing about uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to the website and contact us through there on the results that you get from uh, incorporating some of what you've heard today. Uh, leave a review on uh, iTunes or whatever podcast player or service you're using. That certainly means a lot to us. And subscribe to the podcast. Stay tuned. We've got so much great stuff coming your way. So from the crew here at Influence Leadership, this is Brett Duncan signing off, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks again for joining us today on this episode of Influence Leadership. Uh, We want to hear from you. We want to connect with you. And so there's several ways you can do that. The first step is to go to influenceleadership.com. When you go there, you can see uh, and learn more about Chris, uh, learn more about the keynote presentations that he gives on a regular basis. Uh, And we also have video there that's available with a lot of Chris's best training tips and a lot of his uh, great ideas and his guidance on leadership. You can look at that there. Obviously, if you're interested in having Chris Come to your organization or present at your event. We'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at influenceleadership.com. We'd love to connect with you. Also, you can visit all of our social media platforms when you go to the main website, Facebook, Twitter. We are there. Would love to connect with you. And finally, if uh, you would, if you enjoyed this episode of the Influence Leadership 
podcast, and we certainly hope you did. We'd love to get a review from you so that more people like you can find the podcast and we can share that with more people. Go into iTunes, leave a review there uh, and a rating, and that would certainly mean a lot to us. So until our next episode, thanks again for joining the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller.